Welcome to Carmelite Conversations. This is Frances Harry, your host, and I have a special guest with me today. In studio with me is Marika Zimmerman, who is a member of the Secular Order of Discussed Carmelites in Dayton, Ohio. In fact, she is currently the president, and we just really um, cherish uh, her leadership for our community. And so um, we just recently had a day of recollection, and she was asked to give this presentation on the Liturgy of the Hours. And it's about praying, which is um, something the Carmelites are very invested in, right? And so um, I, it's such a thrill to have Marika here with us. She's going to go ahead and give you her presentation. And then at the end of that, I will um, ask her just a few questions some questions that some of you might have on your mind as well. So we're grateful that you've joined us today. And at this time, I'm going to turn it over to Marika and ask her um, to please do an opening prayer for us and then go right into her presentation. Well, thank you, Francis. It's always a pleasure to be on the program with you. So I'd like to begin with a prayer from St. Teresa of Avila. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Mother Teresa of Jesus, you who put yourself totally at the service of love, teach us to walk along the path of interior prayer with determination and fidelity, with our attention focused on our Lord, one God in the Trinity of Persons, who is always present in the most intimate part of our being. Strengthen us in the foundation of true humility, of a renewed detachment, of fraternal and unconditional love, in the school of Mary, our mother. Share with us your ardent and apostolic love for the church, that Jesus will become our joy, our hope, and our life focus, an inexhaustible source of the deepest intimacy. Bless our great Carmelite family. Teach us to pray with you with all our hearts. I am yours, Lord. I was born for you. What do you want of me? Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'd like to wish good morning to everyone, because it is morning here in the studio. Um, this presentation is on the Liturgy of the Hours, which I have entitled, Pray Without Ceasing, Fulfilling the Lord's Precept Through the Liturgy of the Hours. So much of this presentation has been inspired by Father Timothy M. Gallagher, uh, Marian Oblate, in his book entitled, Praying the Liturgy of the Hours, A Personal Journey. Christ has taught us the necessity of praying at all times without losing heart. That's from Luke 18, verse 1. The church has been faithful in obeying this instruction. It never ceases to offer prayer and make this exhortation its own. Through Jesus, let us offer to God an unceasing sacrifice of praise. That's Hebrews 15, 15. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, we find St. Paul's exhortation, pray without ceasing. The church satisfies this requirement, not only by the celebration of the Eucharist, but in other ways also especially through the Liturgy of the Hours, which is distinguished from other liturgical actions 
by the fact that it consecrates to God the whole cycle of day and night, as it has done from early Christian times. So the chosen theme of our day of recollection was pray without ceasing. Prayer is a life-giving water for our soul. The seeds for this presentation were actually planted during our District 2 retreat at Maria Stein back in August of 2019. A remark near the end of the retreat from our Carmelite friar regarding the Liturgy of the Hours has really stayed with me. He spoke of his dryness and just getting through it. For me, this was not the case. When our dear friar finished his talk and entertained questions and comments, I really felt that I had to share with everyone how the Liturgy of the Hours came into my life when my mother died in 2000, how I was consoled by the fact that unlike a devotion where you're praying by yourself, the Liturgy is an ecclesial prayer, and so no matter where I happen to be when I'm praying the Liturgy of the Hours, I am in union with the whole Church in prayer, and this brought me great comfort in my time of grief. So in the year 2000, when I was when that was the starting point for my journey with the Liturgy of the Hours. This was also further consolation during the start of the pandemic in 2020, when many could not attend Holy Mass in person and could not receive our dear Lord in the most holy and blessed sacrament. I heard one priest remark that just because we cannot be in church, we do not cease to be church. Indeed, after our August 2019 retreat, Father's remark stayed with me for a long time, and I prayed about this in the months that followed. As I said, I had been praying the Liturgy of the Hours now for over 20 years. A few years ago, I was tasked to help the new aspirants in our community with praying the Liturgy of the Hours. And in so doing, this gave me new insights into how people receive and understand this prayer. Father's remarks, however, at the retreat led me to pray in a new way for us as Carmelites with regards to this prayer. And I began to wonder about our individual stories with regards to the Liturgy of the Hours. It is vital to our spiritual life that we truly enter in and embrace this prayer. I wondered why what was obvious to me was not obvious to some others. So just before Advent of 2019, a book crossed my path entitled, Praying the Liturgy of the Hours, A Personal Journey, by Father Timothy M. Gallagher, OMV. I read Father's Journey. Things began to unfold, and I realized that many clergy do in fact struggle, and if the clergy struggle, then the laity as well, and that would include secular Carmelites. In fact, Father Gallagher in his book makes a comment regarding a Carmelite priest, which I would like to share with you. Father Gallagher said they invited a Carmelite priest to his community to give a day retreat. He does not name the priest. Father goes on to recount that in one conference, the Carmelite priest spoke of another priest who finished reciting the office and said, now that I have completed the office, I can pray. The Carmelite priest rhetorically asked the priest, and what were you just doing? Father Gallagher goes on to speak how some people think of the Liturgy of the Hours as something they have to get through. How many secular Carmelites think in these terms? So helping folks to understand that learning to pray the Liturgy of the Hours well 
will naturally lead them to contemplation and over time yield much fruit. One very important point I learned was the importance of reading the general instructions. On page 57 of his book, Father Gallagher remarks, reading the general instructions is the fundamental text for understanding the liturgy of the hours. Father said his own spiritual director had recommended the rereading of the general instruction on the liturgy of the hours at the beginning of each liturgical year. This was in fact something his own director did at the start of Advent each year. Father confessed that he had ignored the recommendation of his spiritual director and continued to struggle with just getting through the Liturgy of the Hours. Then finally he did read it, and his eyes were opened and everything changed. For us secular Carmelites, who are asked to pray only morning and evening prayer, we should know that these two prayers are the hinges of the entire day. Think of it as a door opening. It is important for us to really understand that the morning and evening prayer should not just be something we have to do. We must enter into the prayer and allow the prayer to permeate our being. In the general instruction of the Liturgy of the Hours from the Office of the Sacred Congregation of Divine Worship, dated Easter Sunday, April 11, 1971, which can be found at the beginning of Volume 1 of the four-volume set of the Liturgy of the Hours, beginning on page 9, it says, From ancient times, the Church has had the custom of celebrating each day the Liturgy of the Hours. In this way, the Church fulfills the Lord's precept to pray without ceasing, at once offering its praise to God the Father and interceding for the salvation of the world. Let me read that to you again. From ancient times, the Church has had the custom of celebrating each day the Liturgy of the Hours. In this way, the Church fulfills the Lord's precept to pray without ceasing, at once offering its praise to God the Father and interceding for the salvation of the world. As you can imagine, this took on a whole new meaning for me during, our, during the time of the pandemic lockdown as we went from Lent into Easter without being able to physically attend Holy Mass and receive Jesus and Holy Communion. Father Gallagher on page 58 and 59 of his book remarks how the instructions spoke of the Liturgy of the Hours as primarily a prayer of praise. A prayer of praise? This was new for Father Gallagher. He had seldom thought of praising God and did not understand why it was important, even the central focus of the hours. How many here present listening today understand that morning and evening prayer are primarily prayers of praise? Praise, Father thought, was a form of prayer privileged by some and associated with expressive gestures and gospel music. Charismatics praise God. Praise and worship music praise God. He realized that he had always centered his prayer of the hours on two things, meditation on the content of the Psalms and the readings, and petition for various needs. He never thought of the liturgy of the hours as a prayer of praise. Praise, however, situates us in our truth as creatures before our Creator. Praise is the way to live in the truth that I am God's creature, loved before all ages, and given life in time, 
and called to eternal joy. Praise is the way to live in the truth that I am loved infinitely by the Redeemer who gave his life for me. When Father understood praise as the loving appreciation and the warm and human acknowledgement of God, he found it inviting. He found that he wanted to praise God. Our Holy Mother Teresa in the, in the book of her life says, You should not tire yourself with a great deal of thinking, nor should you be concerned about meditation. If you have forgotten, I have often told you what you should do and how this is of greater favor from the Lord, to be always praising Him and desire that everyone else do so is the greatest effect of the souls being occupied with His Majesty. This was taken from letter number 64 from the vo volume 1 of the Collected Letters of St. Teresa of Avila, ICS Publications. She addresses a widow named Antonio Gayton in 1574, and he was the one who accompanied Teresa with the foundations in Segovia. From Laudus Canticum, Apostolic Constitution, promulgated the Revised Book of the Liturgy of the Hours, dated November 1, 1970. Pope Paul VI writes, The hymn of praise that is sung through all the ages in the heavenly places and was brought by the High Priest, Christ Jesus, into this land of exile has been continued by the Church with constant fidelity over the centuries in a rich variety of forms. From the general instructions we read, in the Liturgy of the Hours, the Church exercises the priestly office of its head and offers to God unceasingly a sacrifice of praise that is a tribute of the lips acknowledging His name. This prayer is the voice of the bride herself as she addresses the bridegroom. Indeed, it is also the prayer of Christ and His body to the Father. All, therefore, who offer this prayer are fulfilling the duty of the Church and also sharing in the highest honor of Christ's bride, because as they render praise to God, they are standing before God's throne in the name of Mother Church. When the Church offers praise to God in the Liturgy of the Hours, it unites itself with the hymn of praise, which is sung in the heavenly places throughout all ages. It also receives a foretaste of the song of praise in heaven, described by John in the book of Revelation the song that is sung without ceasing before the throne of God and the Lamb. Our close union with the Church in heaven is given effective voice when we rejoice together and celebrate the praise of God's glory, when all who have been redeemed in the blood of Christ from every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have been gathered into one Church glorify the one and triune God in the one canticle of praise. Psalm 150, Hallelujah, praise God in his holy sanctuary. Give praise in his mighty dome of heaven. Give praise to his mighty deeds. Praise him for his great majesty. Give praise with trumpet blasts upon the horn. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Give praise with tambourines and dance. Praise him with strings and pipes. Give praise with clashing cymbals. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Just a little bit about what praise does in your spiritual life. It is the ignition key in your prayer life. That being said, 
Should we not take greater care when praying the Liturgy of the Hours, which is primarily a prayer of praise? Let me read to you from the Catechism. Number 2639. Praise is a form of prayer which recognizes most immediately that God is God. It louds God for his own sake and gives him glory, quite beyond what he does, but simply because he is. It shares in the blessed happiness of the pure heart who love God in faith before seeing him in glory. By praise, the Spirit is joined <clears throat> to our spirits to bear witness that we are children of God, testifying to the only Son in whom we are adopted and by whom we glorify the Father. Praise embraces the other forms of prayer and carries them toward Him who is its source and goal, the one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom all exist. Reflect upon the providence and wisdom of God in all created things and praise Him in them all. That's St. Teresa of Avila. Let me read that again. Reflect upon the providence and the wisdom of God in all created things and praise Him in them all. Praising God should be as natural to us as breathing or eating. Since Vatican II, the office has been drawn up and arranged in such a way that not only the clergy, but also religious and indeed the laity may participate in it, since it is the prayer of the whole people of God. People of different callings and circumstances with their individual needs were kept in mind, and a variety of ways of celebrating the office have been provided, by means of which the prayer can be adapted to suit the way of life and vocation of different groups dedicated to the Liturgy of the Hours. This prayer takes its unity from the heart of Christ himself, for our Redeemer desired that the life he had, had entered upon in his mortal body with supplications and with his sacrifice should continue without interruption through the ages in his mystical body, which is the Church. Because of this, the prayer of the Church is at the same time the very prayer that Christ himself, together with his body, addresses to the Father. As we celebrate the office, therefore, we must recognize our own voices echoing in Christ and his voice echoing in us. To manifest this quality of our prayer more clearly, the warm and loving love for Holy Scripture that permeates the liturgy of the hours must come to life in us, so that Scripture may indeed become the chief source of all Christian prayer. In particular, the praying of the Psalms, which continually ponders and proclaims the action of God in the history of salvation, must be grasped with new warmth by the people of God. The life of Christ in his mystical body also perfects and elevates the personal life of each member of the faithful. Therefore, there can be no opposition between the prayer of the church and the personal prayer of the individual. Rather, the relationship between them must be strengthened and enlarged by the divine office. Mental prayer should draw unfailing nourishment from the readings, psalms, and other parts of the liturgy of the hours. If the prayer of the divine office becomes genuine personal prayer, 
the relationship between the liturgy and the whole Christian life also becomes clearer. The whole life of the faithful, hour by hour, during day and night, is a kind of public service in which the faithful give themselves over to the ministry of love toward God and neighbor, identifying themselves with the action of Christ, who by his life and self-offering sanctified the life of all mankind. It follows that the example and precept of our Lord and the apostles in regard to constant and persevering prayer are not to be seen as a purely legal regulation. They belong to the very essence of the church itself. The church is a community, and it must express its nature as a community in its prayer as well as in other ways. Hence, when the community of the faithful is first mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles, it is seen as a community gathered together at prayer with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 14. There was one heart and soul in the company of those who believed. Acts 4, verse 32. Their oneness in spirit was founded on the word of God, on the brotherly communion, on the prayer, and on the Eucharist. <clears throat> the liturgy of the hours extends to the different hours of the day, the praise and thanksgiving, the commemoration of the mysteries of salvation, the petitions, and the foretaste of the heavenly glory that are present in the Eucharistic mystery, the center and apex of the whole life of Christian community. The Liturgy of the Hours is an excellent preparation for the celebration of the Eucharist itself, for it inspires and deepens in a fitting way the dispositions that are necessary for the fruitful celebration of the Eucharist, faith, hope, love, and devotion, and a spirit of self-denial. On page 500, a chapter entitled Divine Office in Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, uh, Carmelite Friars, Divine Intimacy, he writes, The great dignity of the Divine Office lies in the fact that it is not a private prayer, but an official public prayer of the mystical body of Christ, whose members do not pray alone, but with Christ their head. St. Augustine says, because the divine office is the prayer which the church together with Jesus, her head sends up to God, and because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it has great value in itself, but it will have no value for us so as to increase our union with God and to draw divine blessings upon us if it does not become our prayer, if we do not accompany it with our own personal devotion. In the society of the faithful, the church prays with the heart of her children, with our heart, and the more fervent and full of love this heart is, the more our prayer, the prayer of the church, will be pleasing to God. It is in this spirit of praise and adoration which desires to render to God perpetual worship in union with Christ and in the name of the whole church, a spirit of solidarity with Jesus, our head, and with all the faithful, our brethren. Practical Application Father Gallagher on page 54 of his book shares that during his retreat, he deliberately slowed the recitation. Before praying a psalm, 
He took time to read the psalm title and the introductory sentence. After the psalm, he prayed the optional psalm prayer and said parts of the hour out loud. He read the long scriptural reading from his Bible, sometimes adding and omitting verses. When he prayed this way, he found that he liked the liturgy of the hours. He felt increasingly, it felt increasingly like a prayer. The slower recitation did add a few more minutes to the hours, but those few minutes made a great difference. They changed the liturgy of the hours from something to recite and get through to a prayer in which he was taking the initiative. Making the decision to pray the liturgy of the hours with deliberate slowness required surrendering to it. Here's a spiritual challenge to take the instruction and prayerfully read it as Father Gallagher was encouraged by his spiritual director to reread it each year at the start of the liturgical year. So let us adopt a new mindset and let go of the notion of getting through the liturgy the hours or trying to fit it into our schedule. This is, after all, just square filling and related to a spirit of control. Let go and allow the Holy Spirit to blow through your prayer. In letting go of control, pay attention to what may come to mind as you pray. I'm not speaking of distractions here. God is always teaching us. For some, including myself, it is helpful to have a pad of paper to jot down the phrase or the word that may resonate during prayer. See your breviary with new eyes. Many years ago, my old spiritual director, Father Rob, spoke of his breviary as his wife. He always carried his breviary and would set it near his chair on the altar or set it on the counter in the vesting area or someplace in the sacristy. At that time, I was serving as a weekday sacristan, and so Father would sometimes come and ask me, Have you seen my wife? So cherished was his breviary. This little loving gesture of his love for his breviary left a lasting impression on me. Open your mouths and start releasing a high praise to God. As you do, the rivers of living water will start flowing from deep within you through you into the whole of God's creation. He lives inside you and is released through your praises. Did not our Holy Mother, St. Teresa, say, We need no wings to go in search of Him, but have only to look upon Him present within us. God deliver me from sullen saints. How many of the saints went to their deaths singing? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So what can we take away from this talk? First, that in praying the Liturgy of the Hours, it is ecclesial, and we are praying in union with Holy Mother Church. Second, because it is litur liturgical, the Holy Spirit is at work. He is the author of this prayer. I will sing to you, O Lord, and I will learn from you the way of perfection. That's taken from week four, Tuesday morning, uh, Antiphon 1. The concluding prayer. Let us pray. Increase in us, Lord, the faith that you have given us, and bring to a harvest worthy of heaven the praise we offer you at the beginning of this day. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>